0: You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, a weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today we are talking about my personal lessons from using various data visualizations. So this will be quite an interesting, a little bit of a different episode than usual. do you actually invest in your data visualizations? Is it just a minor thing? Do you maybe even think that this is not your duty? Maybe you think that someone else should look at it? I have a lot of very, very interesting experiences with using these visualizations. And to be honest, Lots of my investment in these visualizations led to at least one promotion for me. So I think this will be a quite interesting episode for you. If you want to learn more about visualizations and many other topics, then join my LinkedIn group, the Effective Statistician LinkedIn group, or follow me on LinkedIn. And please tell your colleagues about this podcast, because they will surely benefit from it as well. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video on demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician. Today we are talking again about visualization and I wanna give a little bit of an update of what I learned in the last couple of years and especially kind of the last year about visualization. I've worked on a lot of different visualizations lately. Interactive visualization more to explore the data, but also high quality visualizations to explain the data and to communicate the data. So both explanatory and exploratory visualizations. And actually these kind of visualizations helped me a lot to open new doors, to build networks, to get in my new company in lots of lots of different committees, leader team, lead team meetings, but also in study groups and got me a lot of attention also by the statistics management. So these visualizations are really a great way to sell your work. Of course, it's much easier to show them because um, it's, they are easily understandable, and actually, it's amazingly easy to stand out here. So, most of the statisticians really just produce the same visualizations, like always, if they, if at all, if it's not just tables and listings, and very often they kind of look. Boring, they look the same like what everybody else is doing, you know? another line graph, another kaplan Meyer plot, another bar chart. Of course all these are you know quite reasonable to use and I'm not saying that you shouldn't use them. But I think it's also good to sometimes think a little bit outside the box. And to be honest, I find it a lot of fun to create these more innovative ideas. And here it's really good to look a little bit around. And not just to look what's happening in the clinical area, but what are other areas doing? What is finance doing? What is environment is doing? What are all the other data visualizations that are out there? All the COVID-19 visualizations are a great source to learn from what is possible today. And there's also lots of new tools that are out there, like Flourish, which is a really, really easy to use tool to create some amazing visualizations. Also, in terms of R, there's a lot of developments that make it much easier to generate visualizations. And it's quite good if you have a colleague that is worst in R or if you yourself are very very familiar with ggplot and other functions in R. So there's a lot of opportunities here. And of course it's much easier to showcase a visualization and wow your audience with it than if you have done a great great Bayesian analysis really really complex with all kind of different uh, features in it. People outside of statistics very often don't understand it so it's really really difficult to sell the benefits there nevertheless of course it's really important to look into these things but I think on top of that working on the communication efforts and working on these visualizations will have a huge impact and if you can communicate the posterior distributions from your Bayesian analysis with some really really nice graphics that will have an impact as well. I've seen that as well, that you know, the plots that you get from network meta-analysis in terms of the Bayesian posterior um, distributions are really, really nice. So, there are lots of opportunities beyond the usual graphs that we use, the line graphs and bar charts that I mentioned earlier. There's especially some nice ways to show variability. And isn't that... Really, one of our main jobs to show uncertainty and variability, we can show the individual patients much more, yeah, so imagine you show a scatter plot, and on top of the scatter plot, you also show how the groups differ and you if the, if you have lots of lots of time points, you can even interpolate them and have a animated scatter plot to show how things behave over time. As a y axis, maybe you have uh, the follow up time and as the horizontal axis, you have the baseline, or maybe you have different variables that you want to show how they go together and how they improve together, so for example, how quality of life improves together with the core efficacy outcomes, or maybe you want to show how adverse events behave while the efficacy improving so There's lots of opportunities to show also their individual patients. And sometimes, you know, the outliers are specifically interesting, especially on the safety side. So their showing individual patients is really nice. Another way to look at it is if you have smaller numbers of patients to really show the line graphs and kind of spaghetti plots there. Of course, if you have hundreds of patients, that gets really, really crowded. But then you can actually show the whole distribution there and, and kind of show how the distributions develop over time. So you have something like animated uh, density plots, things like that. Another alternative to actually look into also a little bit more the individual patients and the variability is to show heat maps. It's really good if you have especially kind of categorical data over time. Um, Then you have different colors for the different categories and you can directly see how the individual patients are doing over time. Or if you have maybe, you know, certain outliers that you want to look for or lab events that you said want to look for. There's a couple of really, really interesting points. What is important here is that you then sort the patients appropriately so it makes sense from the heat map. Maybe you want to sort by what is their starting value or maybe you want to sort by what value they arrive at the end. There's a couple of different opportunities. And if you can make it even interactive, that is another su- nice feature. Another point is, of course, to kind of having interactivity in terms of the subgroups. Yeah, so that you can show, okay, what are the subgroups here? And that you can display then just individual clusters or highlight certain uh, subgroups in your data. And that is really best possible if you have the individual uh, patient level data. So, in the heat map example, you can split up the heat maps in male versus female, or sorts of maybe according to baseline weight, all these kind of things. So, you actually see whether there's some relations in there. Another really nice way to show kind of individual patient, is to show cumulative distribution functions. So, imagine you have a continuous endpoint, and all the patients start at baseline. And then at baseline, you have uh, two treatments and two cumulative distribution functions that, because it's randomized, look very, very much the same. And then you have all the follow-up time points. So for each of the patients, you interpolate between all these different time points. And so you don't get just a cumulative distribution function for each time point, but also for all the other time points in between. And if you put that one after each other, then you see how these cumulative distribution functions for the different treatments develop over time. If you really wanna highlight the treatment difference, you can also highlight the area between these cumulative distribution functions. Yeah? So let's say if the area where treatment A is better than treatment B, it gets green, and where it's the other way around, it gets red. Yeah, so, so you can directly see also what is happening in the tails, what is happening in the middle. And you see much more than just mean changes over time with some standard deviations that may not really reflect the distribution of the data. It's also really good for especially skewed data or you know other kind of little bit more non-standard types of distributions. Alternatively, of course, you can also look into histograms or other fitted density functions and display them over time and show how these things evolve over time. If you show these patient-level data graphs, sometimes it's actually quite powerful to combine them with summary statistics graph. So that you have on one hand, you have you know, the scatter plot, on the other hand, you can show in a corresponding graph below or above it how the means of developing, or you can highlight the means in the charts. So, if you show the cumulative distribution function, of course it's pretty easy to highlight what is the difference in terms of the medians, yeah? but of course you could also calculate the means and then show all the time what is the difference in terms of means, or any other statistic you are interested in, maybe, you know, response or whatever, then maybe it's more appropriate to show not the absolute value over time, but the change from baseline and how the cumulative distribution function for this looks like. And if you're interested in how many patients are responders in terms of a certain percent change from baseline, that can be really really nicely then embedded in in such a visualization. So there's a lot of ideas yet you can do. The same is with cumulative uh, with couple of meyer plots. Yeah, so imagine you have couple of Maya plots for different subgroups and then you showcase how these different subgroups work out and by that you get a little bit more of an understanding. In terms of Kaplan-Meier of plots you could also have you know some some areas around these Kaplan-Meier plots to showcase how their variability is. But in essence of course Kaplan-Meier plots already show quite nicely these individual patients. But you could also maybe think about a heat map there that then shows not directly, kind of, the, the same statistics as a couple of plot, but it still shows the individual patients and you see when they get censored and, and things like that. So it's a different estimate than the couple of my plots, but it's also quite nice to have a look into it. So there is lots of opportunities to show much more than the standard bar charts, line graphs, and so on. Also, if you think about um, safety, yeah, with, with all the different related safety events that you are interested there are some really nice visualizations um, that were produced in the US uh, by some safety working groups, um edish to look into visualizations there for liver toxicity and things like that. Have a look into them and see how they inspire you to do something similar for your data. It's also quite nice to look into all kind of YouTube channels on on visualizations to get some more inspiration there. The Data Visualization Society was founded not just long ago and is a society that brings together all these different communities about visualization. There's a lot of communities around certain compounds uh, or certain products like Tableau or clicksense or R or whatsoever. But there's also communities that are more associated to a certain field like maybe health or finance or other areas and see what they are doing. How are they dealing with visualizations? And even very, very complex data can be really, really nicely visualized. If you, for example, think about the weather report. The weather report is probably a really, really complex analysis. It's huge amounts of data that are sitting behind that. But still, they break it down into really nice, actionable graphs that can be shown to the general public. We all see it on TV or on the different Weather, home pages, and see okay, when will it going to rain is it how, how is the temperature evolving? all these kind of different things? Why can't we do that as statisticians and communicate our probably much less complex data in easy ways so that our audience can actually understand it. A couple of words regarding the audience, I think we need to be aware that there's lots of lots of different audiences that we are serving with our data. So I think for many statisticians, it's really about the clinical study report, which is largely a regulatory audience-oriented document. So it assumes that things are printed or at least viewed on a PC screen and that scientifically trained people look into these kind of data. And of course, it assumes that you have quite a lot of time to look into it. And so you can put lots of details, footnotes, titles, all bells and whistles into these kind of uh, visualizations there. Still, I think very often they look rather boring, but that's another point. In terms of visualizations, however, there's lots of other audiences. Think about the audience that reads a paper they have a different need to uh, have a good visualization. There's also different opportunities. Yeah, If you have a paper that is published also online, you can have a nice online appendix and, and have in there animations, interactions, all kind of different features. And of course, use color. The other point is, what about the presentations at conferences, at medical conferences? large screen and there's a presenter that shows this visualization maybe for a minute, maybe for two. That has a very very different background. So it can't be as complex as the visualizations that we put into study reports or into papers. Yet another really really different challenge. Another point would be What are the people that actually communicated with the physicians in the field? Yeah, the general GP or the specialist that has his office somewhere in the country. They get a lot of their information from different sources. Yeah, from sales reps and other people that talk with him. They wanna have some really easy, understandable visualizations. Who's generating that? These in your Organization. Do you know? Do you know how the process works? So I think it would be great if, when we generate our visualizations, really the important ones, I'm not talking about all the visualizations, but really the important ones, that we take care of all these different customers at the same time or close to the same time. Why not populate the same visualization for these different audiences at the same time? Yeah, So that you make sure all the data is always the same. And there's nobody that kind of picks out the data and then r- tries to reproduce the figure in Excel or whatever. Which, by the way, is probably really, really difficult if you have a couple of Meyer plot or scatter plot or things like that, or even animated scatter plot. So to make sure that these figures also reach the final audience, You need to have them in a way so that there's a different file types that can be used, that the color is really nice, that the quality of the overall work is really good, the quality of the files is really good, but also that you take into account different steps in terms of simplicity. So, as I said, if someone has just 30 seconds to look at something, it can't be as complex as what we have in a study report where you can r- look at it as long as you want basically. Also it needs to take into account different knowledge levels of the audience. I'm not saying that we should oversimplify it but we can also easily overcomplicate it and then people get completely lost in the details and they don't understand the data at all. And then what have we achieved? Nothing. So. Therefore, I think we should have different graphics that tell the same story for different uh, audiences. Okay, so that was maybe a little bit of a shorter episode. I hope you enjoyed this a little bit shorter episode and just me talking. And I hope you weren't bored by just me talking. I know that this visualization topic is quite a hot topic. There's a lot going on especially also outside of clinical research. So have an eye out for that. One of the things that I find really, really interesting is the wonderful Wednesday initiative by uh, PSI and FSPY, a working group that produces monthly visualization webinars that are hands-on and where you can directly see how visualization is applied to data sets that we all work day in day out with. So not something like these more generic visualization uh, exercises where you have you know politics data or general demography data or socioeconomic data but it's just about our clinical data and the typical questions that we have like showcasing treatment differences and things like that. So have a watch out for this Wonderful Wednesday, also the recordings of these webinars are actually available on the video-on-demand platform of PSI and all of them are for free. So check them out there at psiweb.org. With that, have a nice time and talk to you next week. (music) This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain who helps with the show in the background and thank you for listening. I hope you did enjoy this show. Please visit com to find the show notes and learn more about our podcast to boost your career as a statistician. You can find lots of further material around the podcast, all the podcast episodes as of course and a couple of other interesting things as well. And if you subscribe to the newsletter, you can make sure that you never miss something. I, from time to time, have something special coming up. So, if you subscribe to that, then you won't miss these special things, like maybe a webinar that I guess for free. So, reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.